Hey everybody, this is Manny Faces, the producer and host of Newsbeat. Welcome to another episode. Now, this is a brutally important and way underreported issue, so I'm going to get right into it. Now, most of you listening likely already know that the self-professed, quote, land of the free is actually the world's largest prison state, with more than 2.2 million Americans locked up on any given day. But I think that when most people hear this stat, they only think about male inmates, men. The truth is that women are the fastest growing segment of the U.S. mass incarceration population, with more than 200,000 currently behind bars, primarily in state prisons and local jails. About 80% of these inmates are mothers, the vast majority of which are the children's primary caretakers, and about 60% of these women have never even been convicted of a crime. They simply couldn't afford bail. To put this in context, only 4% of the world's female population lives in the United States, but the U.S. accounts for more than 30% of the world's incarcerated women. Yep, America has the highest incarceration rate for women in the world. Now, the Me Too movement has cast a great deal of much-needed light on the pervasive sexual abuse, discrimination, and violence against women affecting all facets of American society. But one area replete with unimaginable sexual torture that largely still remains engulfed in darkness resides within the United States' shameful prison industrial complex. Here, rape, sodomy, and other horrific forms of violent sexual abuse are omnipresent, and the vast majority of its victims suffer in silence, afraid of reprisals and further atrocities should they speak out from other inmates and from prison staff, alienated by the stigma attached to their status and their situation, and all but ignored by mainstream media and the social media movement exposing high-profile sexual predators until recently shielded by the limelight and their power. So my friends, now is the time to expose and end such crimes against incarcerated women too. Breaking down this crisis for us is Kathy Morse, a mass incarceration reform advocate and former Rikers Island inmate. The majority of women who are incarcerated, over 60%, are mothers of children at home under the age of 16. And the mothers are the primary caretakers of those children. Linda McFarlane, a licensed social worker and deputy executive director at health and human rights nonprofit Just Attention International. I think that the Me Too movement on the outside has been extremely empowering for women on the inside. And Victoria Law, a freelance journalist and editor, activist and author. If you talk to anybody, particularly anybody in a women's prison, they will tell you that sexual violence and sexual abuse is pervasive and common. Continuing with our unique way of amplifying these messages through music, we have an incredible original lyrical contribution from New York-based hip-hop fusion artist, DJ, educator, activist, and one of Newsbeat's 2018 artists in residence, Liquid. Here it is. This is Abused and Alone, Prison Rape in the Me Too Era. I was arrested in 2006 and charged with grand larceny in Manhattan for um, taking money from where I worked. I worked for a law firm in Manhattan. And I was uh, released on my own recognizance, ROI, they call it. And I missed a court date because I was home with pneumonia. And I had a doctor's note, which we had sent to the judge and everything. And a couple months went by and we didn't hear anything and I didn't get another court date. And I was out running errands with my 22-month-old daughter in town and I was pulled over by the police. And they um, approached the car as if I was like this, you know, as if I had just robbed the bank or something. And um, they told me they had a warrant for my arrest out of New York, because I lived in New Jersey. So I was extradited to New York and uh, 
judge would not give me bail, he remanded me to Rikers. So I was on Rikers for um, a little over 11 months. Rikers Island, the largest single jail complex in the country, one of the most violent too, 80% of the nearly 8,000 prisoners are awaiting trial. Two inmates from one of America's most famous jails say New York City allowed Rikers Island corrections officers to commit widespread sexual assault. The women filed a federal lawsuit Tuesday against one of the jail's corrections officers and the city, saying the officer repeatedly raped them. The women say when they tried to report the assaults, they were told nothing could be done. Shortly after I had arrived, and when you first get there, if you go through, you know, intake, you are put in a reception housing until you clear your TB test. And then once you clear your TB test, you are assigned to a housing unit. And I had never been incarcerated before in my life. So I was, there was things that I had seen, even sitting in intake. That was the first time I had ever seen in my life what crack looked like. I had gone without sleep and everything else. So, you know, the trauma was already, already starting. I had been cleared for my TB test and I was being moved to general population. And I said to the officer, where am I going? And he said to me, don't worry, you're going to the Hilton of housing units and the girls there will take care of you. I didn't quite understand what he meant by that. Maybe I was being naive and I thought that, you know, oh, the girls were really nice. The housing unit was really nice. There was no problems there. You know, there was no violence. I was wrong. I was living in a, in a dorm setting. So the dorm setting is a huge room with about 63 beds that are in rows. The shower is an open tiled room with multiple shower heads on one wall. No dividers, no, no partitions, nothing. So it's this big open room with shower heads. And I had gone in to take a shower and I was jumped in the shower by um, four girls. They had been told by this officer that I was a snitch. And they were determined to teach me a lesson. And I was um, sodomized in the shower. Sexual abuse and sexual harassment inside U.S. prisons and jails is uh, its a nationwide human rights and public health crisis. The best federal research we have indicates that over 200,000 people per year are abused inside our government institutions. The abuse happens in every type of institution, prisons, jails, juvenile facilities, immigration facilities, places that are run by states, counties, cities. It's unconscionable that people inside our government institutions would experience this type of abuse and even torture. Once the government takes away someone's freedom, they take on the absolute responsibility to keep them safe. And really, when you think about it, inside prisons and jails is where we have the most control, right? So this is a, this is a place where sexual assault is actually preventable. Millions of women across the country and around the world sharing their experience with sexual harassment and abuse online using the hashtag MeToo. The MeToo movement, it is growing this morning. Remember, Alyssa Milano started it all, inspiring millions of women to share their personal stories of sexual harassment and assault. This has been a very powerful movement. A new ABC News Washington Post poll revealing an estimated 33 million American women have been sexually harassed and an estimated 14 million have experienced sexual abuse in work-related incidents. 
I think that the Me Too movement on the outside has been extremely empowering for women on the inside. I think that they've seen that survivors' voices are being heard more and that it's it maybe is okay to talk about this. Maybe it's maybe they're not alone. Maybe there are people in the world who would understand what they've gone through and I think that for many of the people that we've heard from it has raised their desire to be a part of something to be a part of a movement of survivors who are taking back their voices who are empowering themselves and who are deciding sort of to not be ashamed and to say yeah this this happened to me i deserve support i'm going to get support and it's not okay anymore i call for the guard I called for the guard. He looked back. Our eye contact was confirmation. I was going where I can't come back. Even after the scars healed, my mental often relapsed. He looked away and said nothing while they circled to attack. The first punch was blatant. My first sight of blood, I almost fainted. Ingested by fear, regurgitated. I protested. It's worse than being arrested. He orchestrated the attacks to flex the domination. Rather die than have my body invaded. Robbed my house and bank account, but not this type of invasion. God help me. God left the room I see the devil in the corner Handing her a broom What would you do? I'm fighting for dear life Taking one of them with me And if I gotta die tonight I'll make sure she won't forgive me The screams of silence And it's like the embodiment Suffocating, never dying Why they breathing free oxygen? Why you lie to me? I'm supposed to pay my debt to society The crime and punishment have no equality Uncle Sam's gavel to Billy Club Bill, supposed to be a badge of honor. It's a license to kill. I'm still alive, though. A part of me arguably died inside, though. But I survived, yo. Now I'm letting everybody know. I'ma tell it, I'ma belt it while there's breath in my lungs. Till every peak and valley felt it. Every woman, boy, and girl that had their innocence stolen. You're not invisible. You're invincible. And now you know it. If no one noticed, it's not your fault. We gon' point these monsters out till they all get caught. It's been known for some time now that the U.S. incarcerates more citizens than any other country. But what may come as a shock, the U.S. is one of the top incarcerators of women in the world. Today, we have over 100,000 women in state prisons, in federal prisons, and another 100-something thousand women in local jail. So it's about 214, 215,000 women behind bars in jails, state and federal prisons. And I want to add that this only includes women who are in women's jails and prisons. This does not include the unknown number of trans women who are being housed in men's jails and men's prisons. And this also does not include women who are in immigrant detention, which is counted separately, even though they are also a form of lockup. And it also does not include girls who are in juvenile detention, even though that is also another form of lockup. So the numbers have skyrocketed from the 1970s, where it was nowhere near this. I mean, in 1990-something, there were not even 100,000 women behind bars. So if we have less than 100,000 in the mid-1990s, and then over 200,000, not including the populations we just talked about, we can see how this number just continues to rise. The majority of women who are incarcerated, over 60%, are mothers of children at home under the age of 16. And the mothers are the primary caretakers of those children. So by incarcerating them, you're removing the mothers 
from their children. And what happens is you try to do that parenting from behind bars, which is extremely stressful when you have limited access to telephones. The other issue is it's a very predatory type of environment in correctional facilities, not only with other detainees or inmates, but also with correctional staff. And by that, I mean in a sexual nature. With your fellow detainees or inmates, it's of a predatory nature in terms of what you have that they can have, that they want, commissary, things like that. It's also very stressful. There's constantly screaming. There's no quiet. It's a very chaotic and hectic environment. You don't have access to a lot of things that people on the outside think you do, like medical and educational. It's just, it's a very difficult environment. It's also an extremely traumatic experience, whether you're in there for two hours or 15 years. You can't leave a facility without being traumatized by the entire experience. Sexual, physical and mental abuse. That's what former women prisoners in a Florida facility claim they were forced to endure. They're now suing the state for damages. Yeah, you know, a woman uh, who was arrested by Rosenberg police on Sunday making some very serious allegations tonight, telling us that she was sexually assaulted by a worker there in the jail. Now, we want to point out that we don't normally show faces or even reveal names of victims in crimes like this, but this woman was very comfortable with us using her name and showing her face because she says she has nothing to hide and she wants her story told. The Prison Rape Elimination Act of 2003 was meant to protect inmates. When I walked over there, he had his pants off and said, I've decided it's been long enough and you're gonna give me what I want. Jan Lestosi helped fight for the law. She was repeatedly raped by a guard in 1998 while serving time in Michigan for embezzlement. If you talk to anybody, particularly anybody in a women's prison, they will tell you that sexual violence and sexual abuse is pervasive and common. So this can range from what we typically think of as sexual assault and sexual violence, rape, unwanted touching, sexual abuse, to the fact that prisons themselves enact an everyday form of sexualized violence, whether it is being strip searched every time you go to and from a visit, anytime a person who is incarcerated, say it's a visit from a loved one, they are stripped and searched before the visit to make sure that they're not carrying anything into the visit that they shouldn't be, whether it's, you know, drugs or contraband or I don't know, a letter outlining prison conditions. And then when their visit is over, they are strip searched again on the way back in. For women who are currently incarcerated and want to get their voice out, it's a little bit difficult because they're fearful of retaliation. That's why some of the women who are in these lawsuits go by Jane Doe, because they're still currently incarcerated. There's fear of retribution. Even if they're accusing an officer on Rikers and they're in a state facility, you've got that brotherhood of correctional officers and word travels, and you just don't want to have that label on you. And that's why they use that cover with the Jane Doe, because you don't know who you can trust and who you can't trust. You don't know if you tell your story to somebody what's going to happen. Will, you know, will they go after them or will they not? 
1825 It's a little after six She lucky to be alive 1825 Got a little more time Lights out Countdown Another day she survived 1825 Here we come around nine Final count Say your number Makes her wait outside 1825 Got his hands on her thighs She can scream She can cry But he's already inside Inside no one will listen Outside she just a victim 1825 She can't get them out of system From juvie to the county To the federal shoot CEOs counting They pray Grown women and youth Every single day For five years straight She was never groped or raped By another inmate Routine kept her alive 1825 But she carried mental chains When she stepped outside I think it's easy to imagine how difficult it is to make a report. First off, even in the community, sexual abuse is the most underreported crime. People have to get past embarrassment, shame, fear, even belief that they're entitled to seek help for what happened to them because so many survivors of sexual abuse blame themselves. And inside a prison, those barriers are even greater it's very difficult to seek safety. They have to report often to the very people who are the co-workers of the people who either abused them or allowed the abuse. The Me Too campaign is giving a voice to many women who say they've experienced sexual harassment and abuse. Through social media and marches, many have shared their story. We begin with those explosive allegations against Charlie Rose. The news anchor suspended by CBS and PBS after more than eight women accused him of making crude sexual advances. NBC's Matt Lauer has been fired over reports of inappropriate sexual behavior in the workplace. I think that any conversation about sexual violence needs to also talk about the violence that is happening in prisons, in jails, in immigrant detention centers, as well as what's happening outside, because we also have to remember that what happens inside prisons is often very hidden in the same ways in which we're finding out that the sexual violence perpetrated, say, by Hollywood executives or by the CBS executive who left was often hidden. Now to another developing story. CBS News today fired Jeff Fager, the executive producer of 60 Minutes, who'd spent 36 years at the network. In less than a year now, three of the most powerful men in broadcasting. Fager, CBS chairman and CEO Leslie Moonves, and CBS This Morning co-host Charlie Rose, all accused of sexual misconduct, have either been fired or resigned. And again, we need to remember that sexual violence is not about sex, it's about power. So it is not that people are just rampantly out of control because of their sexual urges, it's because it is a, a way to dominate people and humiliate them physically and sexually. I think the start of the whole Me Too has enabled women, whether they're incarcerated or they're out, you know, have never been incarcerated, it has empowered women to come forward so that women know that, you know what, they're not alone and there's nothing to be ashamed of if you have been sexually abused or sexually harassed or sexually assaulted, be it in the workplace, be it, you know, in your social circle that it's, it's, it's kind of empowering women to say, you know what, I'm not alone. There's other women who have been through the same thing and they're very supportive of me. And it's a huge step for a lot of people to take to come out in the public because there's that public shaming, but there's also that, well, you know, she's lying type of thing. So they definitely try to drag your reputation through the mud for somebody who's been incarcerated. It's especially harsh 
because you already have those strikes against you because you are formally incarcerated. You know, the women are like, who's going to believe me? You know, the, that's where I come in and, and I'm hoping by sharing my own story that I will empower others to come forward with theirs. And what people need to understand is that the sexual abuse that goes on at Rosie's goes on in every jail and every prison in the country that houses women. Every day you will see in the newspaper or on the news a story about a jail or a prison somewhere in the United States where a correctional officer has been arrested for sexually assaulting female inmates. The abuse and the harassment that, that people face is not any more okay inside a detention facility than it is on a movie set or in a hotel room or on any kind of work site. In our work at Just Detention International with incarcerated survivors, we talk with, we write back to, we hear from survivors all the time. And actually some women prisoners that we work closely with have recently been talking to us about how can we be part of this movement. And that's something that we're working on right now. It's, it's ideas that are really incubating at the moment, but I think that we're going we're gonna to work to find ways that incarcerated survivors can be part of this moment. Because if you look at late night television, movies, commercials, sitcoms, it's still okay to joke about this. And I think that shows us that we have a lot of work to do yet to get incarcerated survivors' voices in these really important movements. Her best friend's brother used to play monster under the bed while they were sleeping. He would fondle the cover. She was five. I was five, nigga. Sixteen, the girl from cheer team was the last at the party, so they wouldn't let her leave. It was five. It was five of them. Seventeen, a college professor, some guy at the bar. Nineteen, two officers in the back of the car. On patrol, slow your road, it unfolds. The law seems to protect only those that it owns. Victim blaming, I refute. That's why we yell, me too. It's just like a douche to think that he the only dude This for years abroad, burning, working harder, earning less Raising your husband and the children to be termed second best I have a call from an inmate at a county detention facility This call will be recorded and monitored I'm supposed to pay my debt to society The crime and punishment have no equality Uncle Sam's gavel to Billy Club Bill, supposed to be a badge of honor, it's a license to kill, I'm still alive, though a part of me arguably died inside, though, but I survived, yo, now I'm letting everybody know, I'ma tell it, I'ma belt it, while there's breath in my lungs, till every peak and valley felt it, every woman, boy and girl, they had their innocence stolen, you're not invisible, you're invincible, and now you know it, if no one noticed, it's not your fault, we gon' point these monsters out, till they all get caught. Oh, there it is. Powerful stuff as always and so important. Again, I'm Manny Faces, a Newsbeat's producer and host. A huge thank you for listening. As always, Newsbeat is brought to you by Mori Creative Studios, a growth-driven New York-based HubSpot partner agency, helping companies leverage the HubSpot platform to achieve sustainable digital growth. Check them out at morecreative.com and grow for good. 
So the takeaway from this episode, this needs to stop. But how do you tackle something as enormous as this? What can you possibly do? Well, let's break it apart into pieces for a second. As you heard, unlike the sexual crimes of high-profile Hollywood types like Harvey Weinstein and others in the public eye, the sexual abuse against incarcerated women is largely underreported by mainstream news outlets and even the victims themselves. So we gotta get loud about it. I invite you to share this episode on your Facebook page or your social networks. Speak out about this to all your friends and loved ones and elected representatives. Stress its importance. The more people you tell, the more noise we make, the more attention and awareness will be raised, and the greater the chances these issues will be acknowledged and addressed. Learn more about our guests and associated groups and initiatives, too. Kathy Morse was one of several former inmates featured in the award-winning documentary Rikers, an American Jail by acclaimed journalist Bill Moyers. She's also one of the advocates leading the charge to close the Rose M. Singer Center, the all-female jail on Rikers Island, and end rape and sexual assaults there. Her group, Closed Rosies, is comprised of current and formerly detained women who spend time there, and other advocates and community members seeking to shutter the New York City Department of Corrections facility for good. Check out RikersFilm.org and go to CloseRosies.org to learn more about how you can help with this mission. To start, spread the hashtag CloseRosies on social media, along with hashtag MeToo, Time's Up, and Let's Talk. Linda McFarlane, a licensed social worker, is one of nonprofit Just Detention International's deputy executive editors and has more than 20 years of experience working with survivors of sexual assault, domestic violence, and child abuse. She leads the group's domestic training, technical assistance, and mental health programs, training correction officers, medical and mental health practitioners, and direct service providers in preventing and responding to sexual violence behind bars. She also works with corrections agencies on implementing programs to make their facilities safer. With the tagline of, quote, rape is not part of the penalty, Just Detention International is a health and human rights organization that seeks to end sexual abuse in all forms of detention. Founded in 1980, JDI is the only organization in the world dedicated exclusively to ending sexual abuse behind bars. JDI works to hold government officials accountable for prisoner rape, promote public attitudes that value the dignity and safety of people in detention, and ensure that survivors of this violence get the help they need. Headquartered in Los Angeles, the group has offices in Washington, D.C. and Johannesburg, South Africa. You can volunteer, contribute, or learn more at justdetention.org. Victoria Law is a freelance journalist and editor, activist, and author who frequently writes about the intersections between mass incarceration, gender, and resistance. Her articles have appeared in The Village Voice, The Nation, Gothamist, Truth Out, Bitch Media, and Rewire News, among many others. Pick up her book, Resistance Behind Bars, The Struggles of Incarcerated Women, and Don't Leave Your Friends Behind, Concrete Ways to Support Families in Social Justice Movements and Communities, which she co-edited. Both are available on Amazon, and you can also visit victorialaw.net to read many of her stories and learn more about her causes and activism. And to hear more extraordinary verses and projects from our musical guest, New York-based hip-hop fusion artist, DJ, educator, activist, and one of our 2018 Newsbeat Artists in Residence, Liquid, check out IamLiquid.com. That's Liquid spelled L-I-K-W-U-I-D. Once again, my friends, I'm Manny Faces, and on behalf of the entire team, I want to thank you for listening to another episode of Newsbeat, where we weaponize independent journalism and independent music to shine a light on the most pressing social justice issues of our time. Remember, there's a full-blown cover story accompanying this in every episode, along with extended guest and musical artist bios, and much more on usnewsbeat.com. Our unique blend of social justice journalism and original hip-hop is made possible by the generosity of listeners like you. So if you dig what you've heard and you want to hear more, please consider contributing to the cause at usnewsbeat.com support. And as always, I ask that you subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify or TuneIn. Wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, we're there. 
As always, power to the people. One love. We're out.